Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nestling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you to become that confident leader and take your business or your life to the next level. Today, I have with me Dr. David Pierce, and let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Pierce. Dr. David Pierce has been a surgical restorative dentist for 34, 38 years. He sold that practice in 2021 and now focuses on coaching dentists to accelerate success. In 2023, he authored two books, and one, uh, the book that I have noted here is Walked the Walk. His office closed 12 to 14 weeks each year. I know you're going to want to know how he did that to promote a life balance. He became financially free in his mid 50s. And he coaches now on leadership and how to have an engaged team, noting that your team and your patients will follow a leader. And I would think it makes sure that it's a good leader. <laughs> right. David lives now in Florida. We'll find out exactly where, uh, with city in a moment, but his, with his wife and three girls, and he enjoys the beautiful outdoors when he is not bound to the computer. Please Ooh. welcome me and uh, join me in welcoming David Pierce. And our topic today is going to be Creating a Wealth Accumulation Machine. <laughs> I think I should have had a drink before I started this way <laughs> today. Again, that's Creating a Wealth Accumulation Machine. Please join me in welcoming Dr. David Pierce. Dr. Mm. Pierce, I, I, know that, I know that uh, Florida is a great place and there's tons of wonderful cities in Florida, but what is the city that you call home? Uh, it's actually New Smyrna Beach. Oh, I Florida. love I love that. My uncle, who I um, always thought of as my second dad, who's passed now, but he lived in New Smyrna Beach, and I would go oh, there yeah. every year to visit with him and spend time. Um, wow. And then. Uh, I usually went in October timeframe. At that time, I worked for an accounting firm and I always needed to kind of get prepared for tax season coming along. <laughs> so Florida yeah. Beach in October was just before all of the snowbirds got there. It was just the perfect time. Loves New Smyrna. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's an awesome place to live. That's for sure. Yeah. So why don't we, before we get into all of this, just give us a little bit more. I only touched on your background, but just give them a little bit more of the backstory of what took, what your journey was like through that dentistry and then led you to 
change direction, if you will, to um, maybe help more dentists have a better quality of life. Yeah, sure. Happy to. Yeah. So, you know, long story, got to make a long story short because we have limited time. Yeah. So, you know, I'd say that as a, as a gen, as a trait of mine, I would be a lifelong learner. I, I found out at some point in my life journey that I enjoy the process of learning, not just the information, but the actual process. And that is evident in pretty much everything that I do in life. If I'm going to do what I want about it, I just try to become you know, as, as good at it as David's able to become and uh, try not to compare to others. So that lifelong learning thing applied to dentistry took me from general dentistry uh, degree, if you will, from school, no, no specific after, after dental school specialty training for a year or two or three. Uh, and the beauty of dentistry today is you can, you can reinvent yourself as a, as a specialist, if you will, in any direction you want to, and as long as you take enough courses and you know get certified, if you will, in the standard of care of a specialist, you can do a lot of different things. <clears throat> and so that's kind of the journey I, I would say I accidentally, accidentally on purpose took maybe. I saw other <laughs> dentists who I would say were masters at, mm -hmm. at their craft when I first got out of residency program. A general practice residency program and i thought that well if you get really good at something you're going to get all the benefits of that and yeah. uh, so up, maybe up until that point in my career if you get really good at playing golf for instance for me then you're going to win tournaments because there wasn't a, a, any money or anything outside that it was just a matter of playing and win dentistry uh, is a little different because there's the business side and i made the assumption that you get good at mastering the dental part and Everything else will take care of itself, and uh, and what I know now is that could be further from the truth. It's, it's one of yeah. the pieces of the puzzle, but not everything. So applying that to the dental thing, I, I after probably twenty years or so, just looking at and studying with other dentists that were incredible in their abilities to do dentistry, and conversations like, "Well, you've been doing this five, ten years more longer than I have. You must be doing this all day long," and it was really a, a Unusual, you know, looking to find somebody who said, "Yeah, I do a lot of this." Actually, it was usually no, no, because of insurance or where I live or blah blah blah. Like I, I don't do very much of it, and I always thought, like, like, hmm, like that, that seems such a waste. You spend all this time and money to, and to get all these skills, and then you're not even using them. And then in my practice, as as we as I looked at it and said, "Well, how do we fix that? And how do we get? How do I become a better leader?" Because obviously, that the practice will never business will never be any better than the owner than the leader. So I had to work on me in a big way. And yeah. so as I started looking at that, it became even more evident to me that there was a big disconnect between clinical skill set and having essentially patients say, yes, I trust yeah. you that much. And I want to make a very large investment of time and energy and myself and money in changing my life as a, as a, as a patient. So our mantra became changing people's lives one smile at a time, and really the reconstructed dentistry that we did truly took people with dental disabilities of, you know, can't smile, can't eat, yeah. can't do stuff, kind of, you know, sheltered within themselves to just, just literally blossoming uh, into what they knew they could mm -hmm. become instead of get rid of that disability. And that was just so much fun. Um, and along the way, in the last 10 years, I was in a mastermind group with some other dentists from out of a sorter, and all the conversations were about the business side. No, even though they, they were maybe sidebar conversations of clinical, there's a business side. And I was really uh, blessed, I guess, in that and some of the members would say, you know, 
you, David, have the ability to take that complex thing, ask, ask some really good questions, come up with a with boil it down into the small pieces that might add to success so that on Monday I can go home and I can do something in my practice that I wasn't doing before where I'm going to start oh. moving in the right direction. Um, so I won't say can kind of sell my practice because my wife and I wanted to live in other places of the country, wanted other things. And uh, the good news about a dental practice is it can be an incredible revenue producing machine. Um, the other side of the coin is that you have to be there. It's a hit and you have to be there <laughs> and not there. I mean, I wasn't there, you know, you said 12, 14 weeks ago, I wasn't there, but I also knew that it kept saying, you know, feed me, feed me in the form of overhead. So, uh, whereas if you can do something, you know, I'll say a lot of consulting coaching, you can do that from anywhere in the world. And so yeah. to me, I said, that's perfect. Uh, so I've done that in my office, been successful in ways that, you know, other folks seem to be missing. I really felt like, like, and other people in mastermind group were saying, like, you seem to have the ability to help us, so I, not just in my own practice, but in other people. So I thought, well, if I marry those two, I could hope to have some success as a coach. Uh, and for me, it was always going to be like a one-on-one -on -one type thing. You know, that idea of speaking in front of a thousand people and hoping somebody got it, having no idea, mm -hmm. isn't, wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to make a very significant impact on a few dentists, or whatever that looks like a smaller group of dentists, you know, knowing that they would say, wow, like I'm helping more patients to say yes, and therefore, I could live vicariously you know, to them that and people's lives are truly being affected in a positive way through these dentists. And I was just helping to get more people to say yes. Um, mm. Yeah, so earlier this year, I wrote a couple of books, and, and one of those, the second one that got published, and it titled that, it'll be available on Amazon like either today or tomorrow, I guess. It's like, great. oh, cool. Yeah, um, that, it's called Peak Success, uh, an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial guide to business prosperity and it kind of it's used dentistry as the model but it's really applicable to any small business especially or business in general that you know the basic fundamentals of what does it take to, to take a business and take a leader and have the leader grow and have the business grow with them and put those pieces in place so that the business can become a revenue producing machine maybe part of the you know the question of this particular podcast is if you have this revenue producing machine does that ensure that the owner, dentist, whatever that entity looks like, is going to have financial wealth outside of the business? And I would say no. Like, you know, there's mm -hmm. lots of evidence of people earning lots of money in their life, and then they get into their 50s, 60s, 70s, and they still got to work because they don't have much to show for it. Or uh, yeah. their lifestyle you know, takes a nosedive when they stop mm -hmm. income part because they just aren't prepared for that. So. That was the other. The other book was more focused on that. How can how can one look at that and ensure uh, their financial success down the road? So that's the elevator speech. All right. So my first question really is going to be how to rewire employees to really become dynamic, engaged players. It, you know, after we got back from our pandemic exercise, it seems people are even more disengaged than before. So kind of talk to me about, especially, you know, with a, the dentist situation, but any entrepreneur, any person working has to deal with teams and being engaged. And with dentists, you have hygienists and you have front desk people and all that. So how do you keep them wanting to come to work every day for you. Yeah. 
That's the, that's the $80 million question, right? That's, yeah, uh, <laughs> for everyone in the world, really. Yeah, right. Uh, well, so, uh, you know, so I'll give you one person's opinion. Uh, you know, I did a lot of studying and so forth. So, and I would say that none of these ideas uh, will take any credit for uh, because I'm, I'm not in, ingenious and, and creative that way, uh, but maybe a good student and willing to, to try things. Uh, and my feeling, you know, Vicky, is that uh, I like to think that virtually every single employee, uh, therefore every single person, truly wants to go to a workplace where, where, where they just enjoy it. They just want that to be part of their life. That's just really miserable. And so, you know, the, the hard part is if, if, if I'm an owner and I look around at my, my employees and I say, I wish they were a team, but they're not just a group of employees, then I have to look in the mirror and say, well, you hired them, you trained them, you put everything into it, so who's really to blame? And so, I mean, that's really the kind of cold, hard truth is it's, it's you. Like, you know, you, it all started with you, it, unless you inherited the business from somebody else and they came along with it, in which case then you have the option of, you know, doing all those things, but it's still your responsibility to make that happen. And so for me, that, that, that's, so that sounds very simple. Like, yeah, just do that. But it's not really that easy, obviously, obvious to me at least. But what was certainly really helpful for me in, in my journey is that I'm not, good in my mind and got a lot better at confrontation like hard conversations that seem easy mm -hmm. to other folks just to say like it's you know it isn't about you i just have to talk to you about something that you're doing to me that felt very hard to yeah do that. So i'd be yeah. happy to away from that conversation so the better i got at that that certainly all by itself helped and then probably the biggest thing that you know that i that helped me in that sense were and i think every business that this is so critical is at you know the very top the phrase that I like to use with my team all the time when things just didn't seem right with how something turned out is so when we are at our best truly at our best as a team working together what does that look like yeah or if, or if it or if it isn't that good when we are at our best as a team what do we want it to look like what does mm -hmm. that standard look like you put put words to that. And so once you, and that's kind of like, that's the business's noble purpose is what I would call it. Like that's why we're here. So for us, it yeah. was changing people's lives one smile at a time. Anything that fell short of that or didn't feel like it was in sync with that, we could work that. So when we're, when we're changing people's lives one smile at a time, what does that look like? Like if we're short with somebody, if we're short with a teammate, if we don't do something that is well, we usually do. Like what does that actually look like? So to me, when when something when something wasn't or there was stress in the office about something, I could just ask that question like, "Is this us? Is this is this as good as we are? Like that's it? That's as good as mm -hmm. we are, right?" And everybody, you know, pretty quickly in that group would say, "No, like we're not proud of it." And there's lots of reasons why that happened, but no. Okay, good. So you know, we messed up. Well, next time, what would we do differently so yeah. we start our best? Because that situation will happen again. It's something very similar. What would we do differently next time that we can agree to? So when that happens, we're going to be we're going to be at our best next time. So that was that's kind of us as a whole. And then I wasn't the bad guy. I was just like the messenger, just reminding people like this is who we agreed we're going to be, and are we that way? So if we're hiring somebody, that's really really important. Like so, when this mm -hmm. is the this is who we are uh, at our best. This is who we are. This is what we do. It's way bigger than me or you or any of us. This is this is who we are as a whole. This is our, our the purpose of business is that. So that to me is critical. Uh, on hiring and also just as a group and you're reminding us as a group 
on an individual basis, for us, you know, it was really important. Like, what are your values? What, what, are the, what are the core five, six, seven values of the office? Like, what do you hold year to year? And, and each individual has to agree to those when they're hired and has to always be held accountable to those, including me, all the time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But to me, that was easy. You know, for instance, if you said, like, we're lifelong learners. So, you know, so Sally, when you um, when we had our meeting today and everybody's in charge of reading these two books, these two chapters in this book, we're reading together and studying together and we didn't, we obviously didn't read them. How does that fit in with your agreement and commitment to being a lifelong learner? So I'm sure there's a commitment there because I know you want to be great, but what does that help me understand that? Because that, I don't see that. And then you can go through it and that's either like, yeah, I don't really care about it. Okay, good. So then we have an issue about culture and things like that. Or like, you know, it, my bad, doctor, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. And thanks for the reminder. Good. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we'll have the conversation again. And then maybe a third level uh, and for a small business was let's make sure everybody knows exactly who does what. Yeah. So, or, organizational board or accountability chart or whatever you want to call that. And every big corporation has that. Has them. But most small businesses don't have that it's not on the wall you know like there's a position who who has said like yep I, I know what that position is i know i can do it and i agree that i'll take responsibility for it in every single spot and make sure those are always covered and then when something doesn't work out it's, it's easier to be able to say you know well david or so so like your name is under that so it doesn't mean that you have to do the work but you're ultimately responsible for the outcome of that yeah. Uh, and to me, if you, you know, you're always looking for rock stars, you're not going to always have those, but you're looking for the Michael Jordans. And what I found is, is that the, that's the Michael Jordans, they get in a situation like that. Like, this is bigger than me. And I know how I need to act as a person. And I know exactly like when I just kill this, kill it good, like I'm going to be a rock star. They just thrive in that environment. And many times I found as I was learning how to do that, that the rock star people might look at and say, like, I don't know when I'm succeeding here or not. Like I have no clue. It's not clear to me when I'm succeeding or not. And I need to know when I'm absolutely just like, I, need, I as a rock star need to know that. So I think those three things are probably the biggest key things that we have are those. And then that lifelong learning, you know, we have just every month we, we have four hours set aside. I'm not sure if that's you know too little, but that's what we allocated you know, a whole morning strictly for learning. And it's, and it's all learning, you know, how do we all, how do we all mostly become a better version of ourselves non-professionally a little bit professionally but more like me as a person how do i become a better version of myself you know so there's so many books you know how to win friends and influence people and and as a man think of them, you know there's a million books out there who needs to choose you know all those kind of books you can look at to say like, how do i become a better version of myself how do i become a better leader in the world how do i become a better you know better mother a better christian a better all these things a better spouse and, and out of the out of the fall out of that, they become a better person to work with. They become a better guide to the patients. Um, but in reality, they become a better person to work. And then she gets part of their life. Yeah. Um, so I think really two of the messages that I'm getting from that is the the team member, no matter what level they are, needs to understand that what they do is important to the success of the whole and that um, that they're accountable for that. And then the second thing is that, um, that you constantly have to be growing and you can't grow unless you do that on uh, lifelong learning and, and you have to be open 
as that manager or the dentist to be able to give feedback to your people on how they're doing, you know, they may have, they may have on their side thinking how they're doing and the way you see it is something different. And, and that goes back to how clear were you in the job descriptions and, and the expectations of that position. But, uh, I love your word expectations, but you're absolutely right. Like that's, you know, I think so many, so many relationships fall apart around that word that we, we really don't have any clue yeah. what somebody expects of us and they have no clue what we expect of them. Yet everybody assumes that, how could you not know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's very easy. Very easy. Yeah. So you talk, or, or we talked about in the very beginning, and you mentioned again that the 12 to 14 weeks of of not being there. So all of all of us entrepreneurs would love to be able to have that time off where our business keeps on going even though we're not there. So talk to us a little bit about how the entrepreneur can take time off while making more money. Yeah. yeah. And again, you know, I'm going to tell you one person's journey. So I, I can't say this is right for everybody. Uh, although the people that I coach that, that make the transition I'm going to describe to you is would wholeheartedly embrace it, which is, I mean, I'll say maybe two decades or so ago, a good friend of mine who uh, is executive coach to people in communities, he's a really very talented individual. We were just spending some time together on a weekend. And so he said to me, he, he said, so can I have to ask you something about your, your, your business there? Sure. So you have, at that time, you know, let's say four employees plus me or five employees. You never had more than six plus me. And so say we have you know, four, five, six people. And so he said, so like, so do these people get their own personal days off? Yes. Do they get their own personal like vacation time? Yes. So they're not there and the business is still open. Right. Yep. And so like, what does that look like when they're not there? So like you, you and Preston do like, like it's going to be amazing service, customer service, amazing dentistry, you know, uh, gentle dentistry, stress-free as much as that's possible in dentistry. What does that look like when like essentially like a department shuts down, like they're not even there. And one person, what does that look like? Like, like there's no stress, everything goes on normal or or not. And, you know, of course he, he kind of knew like, no, there's, there's stress, balls get dropped that day. And so he said, so like how many employees do you have? Like, oh, like five and you just get three weeks off and three days. So, so it's like 30% of your year, you're operating at hello in the morning, knowing you're not going to give patients or each other your very best. And I, I didn't want to hear that, but you do the math, and it's like, yeah, that's right. And he's, he said, so, like, why do you, how does that help you accomplish what you're trying to accomplish, which is 100% this experience for everybody? Yeah. And, you know, like, well, that's the only way there is. And so he said, well, no, obviously that's not true of anything. It's just maybe the only way you've ever thought about it. Anyway. You know, we chatted for a while and then like within a week or so I looked and said, okay, here's the deal. Either we're all here working on patients or nobody's here. We're yeah. here. No. And so that was a very big decision in the office. Yeah. Different in the, in the small business space. And then so that so that combination of like what is that, what's that gonna look like? So nobody has personal days anymore, nobody has vacation days anymore. The team gets to pick some a lot of that time off, but at the same point in time, they're not gonna say, I'm gonna be here and the rest of the people. Not going to do it. That was that's kind of the way our office ran. 
that said, everybody got off at least eight weeks a year, and the other four weeks a year or more, they were covering phones. So they're getting eight or nine weeks where they were just off getting paid, having fun with their families, whatever they want to do. And the rest of the time, the office phones were being covered by a rolling, you know, rolling teammates taking turns at that, if you will. So there was that portion of it. And then, you know, what I was always looked at is that, is that you know, revenue, we oftentimes look at revenue as like a prime, a time and money type thing. And mm. what we always focus on is how do we increase revenue per hour? Yeah. So you can double your revenue per hour. You could work half the number of hours and have the same revenue. Mathematically. Mm. So how, how can you do that? How can you either provide more bundle services, do more on each patient, create environments where people want to do more, more dentistry at once, those kinds of things. Now, how do we have, how do we structure that? Mm -hmm. so patients will look at dentistry. I'm not sure about other ones, but dentistry, you know, you'll smile at this probably, Vicky. Like, if not everybody wants to go to the dentist. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that is true. So if you looked at it and said, well, we could take your dentistry and spread it out over eight to 10 visits. Or whatever that might be in any kind of a thing. You know, we could take your construction, your house, and spread it out of eight to ten months, or mm -hmm. we could get it done in one month. Like, which would you prefer, Mrs. Jones? And you know, I would be, I would like to say, having that home built would be like, no, like shorter is better. Like, yeah. Know, <laughs> and same thing in dentistry. So that was the way we kind of looked at it and said, so we know we're you know, that that a contractor can just come in and work on a house, like without having to move his crew around, way more way more productive per mm -hmm. hour. Yeah. yeah. Not the usual style, but way more. So that's the kind of same thing. If I can work on one patient for three, four, five hours at a time, and the patient wants to do it that way, way more productive, way more profitable, way better for the business, way better for the patient. It's just a matter of how do we orchestrate the conversations and the, and the culture and the idea. Like, doesn't this this plan make sense, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Patient? And they would say yes. So how do we work our way around the you know the obstacles of well? How do I get five hours off from work? And how do we have yeah. to How do we handle the money portion of it? And if they're investment and those kind of things. But once you answer those relatively simple questions, then the rest of it, you know, the patients just look at that and say, I, I, you know, why doesn't everybody do this? Like, huh? yeah, yeah, doesn't matter. We do. Yeah. No, no insurance pushback on any of that. Well, you know, it's of course. Because yeah. <laughs> it's not the norm, right? Anyway. Yeah, there's no question. Yeah. So, you know, the idea, like, you know, that, that and some of that is, is one was, was how did, how would I look at dental insurance? You know, so dental insurance, different than medical insurance, you mm -hmm. know, dental insurance, the maximum amount of dental insurance that most anybody can get is, you know, $1,500 or $2,000 a year. Right. So if somebody comes in and they're, and they're just like, you know, I'll say, uh, dental disability is like their smile it's just like they cover their mouth up they turn away yeah yeah their lips better, all that kind of stuff then the reality of of you know so that's not not fair but he said so that's a house that hasn't been worked on for 30 or 40 years right and it's not just a matter of a little bit of paint here and you're done but right. this is pretty major reconstruction of this house mm -hmm. get it back to amazing like it was like it should be yeah. Same thing with the mouth. So the idea that, like, you know, that if this is going to be a multi ten thousand dollar renovation of your house to get it back, mm -hmm. a multi ten thousand dollar renovation of your mouth to get it back is what it's going to take to go from mm -hmm. where you are to where you should be, had not all this damage and, and mm -hmm. neglect in those years. Yeah. 
And if we do that by an insurance thing, uh, you know, it, it might be 20, 30, 40 years from now, and you actually get it all done. And of course, by the end, things are going to fall apart. You're going to go through all this transition. That, that just makes no sense. So the insurance is really more of like a, like a coupon. You know, it's like, hey, you know, you cut it up, you get a little bit off, whatever it is, the meal you're going to eat. But it's not going to pay for the meal. It's just a helpful thing that you're going to go eat there anyway. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah. it's a Merry Christmas thing at the end. And, and you worked hard for that $1,500 bonus. We're going to do everything possible trying to make sure you get every cent of that. Uh, but at the same point in time, the insurance isn't about health care. Insurance is strictly a benefit. It's a negotiated yeah. benefit. And, uh, you know, it's, and so, you know, it takes a little bit, I guess, for the owner to get that, that mindset of like, you know, insurance, this isn't about insurance. This is about health care. Yeah. And, and, com- and your confidence. It, it truly is about your confidence. Right. And, and the team starts looking at that and saying like, yeah, like there's no way in the world you can get, you can let insurance dictate the quality of your health, especially mm-hmm. dentistry, because you can't, you know, $1,500 is a lot of money. And yet it's nowhere near enough to take a house that's, you know, just completely in, in, in disrepair and mm-hmm. get it back. What it needs to be. Yeah. yeah. And, so, and your, your health of your teeth are, so aligned with your heart and all the other things that people don't think about. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And honestly, you know, Vicky, I think that, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, whatever it is, you know, that dentistry has done just, I think, amazingly well in in being so far ahead of the medical profession when it comes to customer service and things like that. Um, And yet we have so, you know, so far to go, uh, you know, even even like from the standpoint of patients feeling judged, you know, so they Mm -hmm. come in like knowing, like I know I've neglected my mouth. Like I, I, I heard growing up, you know, you're supposed to go every six months, you're supposed <laughs> yeah. to brush and floss, and all these things they've heard, and so they come in, you know, knowing that you know this is a place that maybe you get hurt. Like dentistry and pain are not like too far apart. <laughs> not too far. <laughs> yeah, not too far apart. Um, so you know, you could get hurt there, and and I, and I'm embarrassed about where I am. And yeah. they say things to me like, so when was the last time you had your teeth cleaned? Seems like an innocent question. But what I'm hearing is what you want to hear me say is how many years it's been since I've done that. So you can kind of put your hands on your hip and say, bad boy, bad yeah. boy, you should have done yeah. that. Why didn't you do that sooner? What's wrong with you? And unfortunately, we, we do that. Like, we yeah. just not in any intention whatsoever to be hurtful. Um, you just don't have the training you know, in dental school to say like, you know, it's, it is about healthcare, that, but there's so much emotional stuff that goes on in people's mouths and so much mm-hmm. of who they are is tied up in that as opposed to their kidney or their liver or their lungs. Like that's just a part of their body that it is what it is. But like this thing, you can't interact with the world. Without yeah. the world knowing everything about this. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's a very different part of our body that we're dealing with. You know? And, that, and I think that's what you said that uh, is uh, very, very important that teams get look at and say, I want to transition to more dollars per hour, truly relationship-based dentistry where people come in and say, I trust you. I want yeah. you to do this work. I've been putting this off for years looking for somebody, looking for somebody like you and your team that helped me, I found you, um, that embracing the idea of like, this is all about relationships. It's not about mm-hmm. business. It's about somebody yeah. trusting you and saying, like, you, you understand me as a patient. And that's a, that might be the first time I've ever felt that from the healthcare mm-hmm. worker. And, and 
sign me up right there. You know, I may not be able to do it all at once, but whatever I do, I want to do as much as I possibly can as fast as I can. So good. So how do you create a, that first call with the, the patient to, or the um, new team member, but to, to really have them want to work with you, whether it's in your office or be a patient? How do you, how do you kind of almost break the ice that you're the dentist to work with or you're the team, you're the one, this is the place you got to work because we have options, a lot of yeah. them out there. A lot of, yeah, so, so true, yeah, so true. Yeah, and you know, I not only do you have options, but I would tell everybody, like, like, do you think that somebody that called your office that was referred by their spouse or by a good friend or something like that, that you're the only office that they're calling? And like, you're just kidding yourself. Like, there, there's no way. They're, they're comparing you to other offices all the time. Either at the water mm -hmm. cooler, like, talk to a teeth or a fellow worker at work, mm -hmm. or, or they get on the phone at lunchtime and they call three, three places at the same time. You're number one, two, or three, or whatever it is, and then they go back to work and do the same thing the next day. Um, but your question is perfect, you know, and I really think that that uh, I don't think I know like that relationship that that has to be a, a call where when they get off the call and they compare it to other places that they're going to say like that call is different. Like that person actually cares about yeah. me as a person. They ask questions about me as a person, and 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 they may not they may the, the patient the caller if you will might not re realize this, but the person on the other end of the phone wasn't an order taker, in my word. They were somebody who was, who was engaged in the conversation and truly curious, like, what is it about, what, like, you know, what is it about you, Mrs. John? What's, what's going on in your life that made you call today? Like, you, have, you could have called a week ago. You what you told me about, like, yeah, I've had this broken tooth now. Oh, okay, did that just happen or has that been around for a while? Yeah, it happened like, like a couple years ago. Okay, mm -hmm. so you've had two years to call what you called today. So yeah. help me understand, like, what happened? Like, who talked to you? What did you feel? What, yeah. was, what, what was the tipping point that happened today? And and help, you know, get better at engaging in those kind of conversations. And, and, mm. and many times out of those conversations, you know, it can be, well, you know, I was at work and somebody made a comment about mm. something. And, but, and then it's truly like, you know, if you can, if you, if you, if you as a person, I'm going to guess with you, I as a person, have had times when our insecurity was just magnified by something that somebody said or did. And we just felt like, wow, I am super vulnerable right now because something just happened. And if the person on the phone can can you know, tease that out and handle it very well and just like, we all have those things. You guys say, mm -hmm. that, that must have been like just so hard at work to have that. Like, I can't imagine what that's like. And mm -hmm. uh, to have that, the beginning of those kind of conversations over the phone, when that person hangs up, they can just kind of feel like, like I feel like I got a buddy with this person I spoke with on the phone, like they understand me. Like I've never, I've never gotten off the phone with somebody who had actually felt like they understood me. Mm. And really all it was to me is just taking the time to care enough about somebody, be empathetic, be curious about it. So what's your story? Because like you said, you could have called any other place and you did. You could avoid dentistry for a long time because all mm. of, for the most part, all it is is pain. You know, I mean, it's like we, we humans can endure incredible pain sometimes when we have to. Yeah. Um, so what is it that got you to call? So, yeah. So that's to me is you know, that there's all the logistic portion of it. Um, 
you know, and even how you handle insurance. Because people, we've trained people, you know, mm -hmm. to say, yeah, so you take my insurance. And like, you know, I used to kid around with my team and say, so if somebody's calling up and it's saying, I'm doing a documentary for the New York Times about the number of dentists that accept this insurance or that insurance, that insurance, well, then it's fair if they say, do you accept this insurance? But nobody's calling up to get a documentary. They just don't know what to ask. Yeah, that's true. So they ask insurance, and that doesn't mean that they have any interest at all in insurance. They just don't know what to say. And, and we've kind of trained them to say that. <laughs> so, you know, how do we handle some of those conversations to try to figure out? So I appreciate you talking about insurance. But let's let's maybe talk about healthcare and why I'm really calling today. What, what got you pick up the phone today about your mouth, your smile, or what's going on with your mouth? Mm -hmm. how, do we, how do we truly help the patient? And not there, but get out of their own way to get what they truly are looking for in a dentist as opposed to... Yeah, uh, if, you, if you think about the fact that if they're not confident, if they are really hiding that behind a mask, if you will, because of their smile or, or the, their mouth issues, how much are they leaving on the table from a... a successful career or um, opportunities that they're passing by because they don't want to go in front of a camera or in front of a person because of the way they feel, how much is that worth to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you a really quick, like 30 second story, Bob, yeah, true first name, Bob, Bob, after the fact, told us he came to the office without an appointment, touched the doorknob to our office, 42 times mm. and left 41 times. 42nd time, over a period of about nine months, the 42nd time, and so I'm not quite sure why it was different, but I turned them off. So fast forward a year and a half later, we get a, we get a letter from Bob, he restored his mouth, and it wasn't like the most amazing dentistry or dentistry had to do, the budget couldn't take care of that, but it still got to a point where he, where he was at a point confidence-wise where he had been he had been watching and and I, and and you'll appreciate it wasn't stalking was watching a woman that he knew from high school who was his high school sweetheart mm. and they had gone separate ways he knew she was divorced he had been divorced and he was watching her life through Facebook and knowing that he would love to reach out to her and couldn't because mm. of his self confidence around his mouth. So 18 months after we got done working, we got a letter from Bob and it's saying, you know, Dr. Pierce, your team, I just have to tell you, I know I told you about so-and-so. I reached out to her and three weeks ago, we were married. I can't <laughs> thank you enough for the thing that you and your team, you, know, you, you did what you said, which is changing people's lives one smile at a time. And, you know, that, like, mm -hmm. that's it. Wow. Like, you know, how, like, you know, how, how like, you go back to, like, noble purpose, like, like, how would I feel working in a place that gets letters like that? Like, yeah. If I'm part of that outcome, it's like, wow, like, it's just, it's hard to get much better than that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, time is flying by. Um, I have one more question uh, in my rapid fire. We'll do rapid yeah. fire. So, how can you or can you describe the process to make sure that your team are accepting you as the leader you know, mentally 
when they look at you, they know that you are the person that is well-equipped to lead the team and has their best interest in mind. So how can you uh, achieve that? What's that process? Yeah. Well, as, as an aside to a plug, you know, I have a YouTube channel and actually over the last maybe three or four weeks and over the next 12 to 15 weeks, each week we'll go through a different aspect of leadership. And ah, actually, very uh, good. You know, what? here's a trait and here's what you could actually specifically do in your office to exemplify those traits. But, if I, you know, I would feel like you know, some are more important than others. Uh, I, I would certainly say that once in one of the biggest things you is just don't try to have all the answers. Like, yeah. You know, allow your team to become leaders. So even if you think you have a, an answer, you just have one answer. And so put things out there to your team and empower them. Make make your office have a culture that yeah. it's safe here to make mistakes and, and embrace those mistakes and embrace mm -hmm. the from mistakes. I'd say that too, you know, along with that is that vulnerability as a leader of like, hey, you know, I screwed up. And that could be mm -hmm. like, oh, yesterday. And I said that about you or to you in front of a patient, I might have screwed up and like and 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 I, I made it hard for you to save face because that would happen after I do that to you because I don't ever want that. And whether it did or it didn't, they can see like, okay, you know, Dr. Kiz is going to make mistakes, you is the only way to make mistakes, and you're going to be vulnerable about the areas that either you did make mistakes or areas where you just say, like, like you know, I can remember telling my team, like, you know, before XYZ procedure. I'll go in the bathroom and I'll have a significant GI event every time that procedure crops up. So you may look at me and think like, oh, these guys together, like, no, he doesn't have it together when it comes to certain things. So you're vulnerable that way. Um, and be willing to make decisions. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's like, you know, there's that maybe not, you know, in the old like ready and fire. I don't mean just like fire, 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 fire without anything. But just, you know, make decisions. The idea like, hey, you, I'm going to empower my team to make, make decisions in your space. And do it in a way so that you're setting them up for success. But at the same point in time, they can look at it and say, good, we can always reevaluate, we can always change that, and come back to that and make ourselves better through that process. Uh, yeah, I think that's important. Uh, a lot of times people don't decide because they're trying to be perfect in their decision or make and, that guaranteed that everything's going to turn out right. And, and it doesn't always happen. So, as the leader, how you react to the times and when it doesn't go out go as well as hoped will indicate whether or not they'll be able to make a fast decision the next time right yeah and you know there's a wonderful uh, resource out there that we got this thought from that maybe as there's different ways of looking at it, but if you look at somebody's leadership journey for me uh, uh, and, uh, i'm embarrassed about this but honestly you know in the early part of my career i didn't want my team to be leaders because i thought if they were to be leaders they'd leave they'd go someplace else yeah and, and that might be true. And so what after when I got smarter and got better at it, I looked at it and said, but if, if we create a culture where everybody becomes a leader of themselves, people will leave because they will. Like, you know, their spouses get jobs other places. They move, we have people move to other countries. We have people, you know, just have illnesses. They had to get out of out of the workforce, things like that. So that's gonna happen. But if your culture is you're creating leaders, when a new person comes in, they get sucked up into that vacuum of well, this is what we do here, and they become a leader. So so a lot of goodness, you know, comes out of that. So in that journey to me between what we're taught, and I truly believe this, like in school, like if you do what the teacher tells you, the teacher says, hey, everybody, why don't you do what Susie's doing, what David is doing? Like, see how nice David's playing with someone? See how nice Susie's doing her homework? 
you all do that too, but you do what people tell you to do and you get the rewards. You do what mm -hmm. people don't tell you to do or you do it, make it up on your own and you get stuck. So I think we learn very young, like just, just let just let people tell you what to do and then you do it. And I have found a lot of employees will come in that way and wants to be like, you tell me what to do, Dr. Pearson, I'll do it. Otherwise, I'm not going to do it because if it's your idea and it fails, it's like, not on me, it's on you. Mm -hmm. So we, uh, this resource kind of taught us to say, get people very quickly to a point where they come to whomever their superior me or whatever might be in the organizational uh, accountability, the organizational board of the hierarchy, if you will. But in a small office, there's not you know, far to go before you get to me. You know, and uh, and be able to say, you know, what I intend to do. So mm -hmm. I did that an issue. I looked at and thoughtfully looked at the possible solutions to that. And of those, what I intend to do is this. So no action has been taken, but they've they've stepped into a leadership aspect. Right. Like, okay, if it was up to me, this is what I would do. And then try to support that process so that, you know, three out of 10 times, chances are they're going to be right. Right, right. They're in the trenches. They know. Here's the problem. I'm doing it all day long. What do I know? I'm over here, you know, with my hands in, in people's mouths. I don't know what's going on in the front desk over here. So they have a much better idea. You know, I think that that was a huge, huge component of their success of looking to the point where, okay, I'm going to be making decisions here. And then we get past that. We actually are making decisions. So this is what yeah. I think. you have faith in that. Uh, right. Exactly. And, and I think, you know, whenever people leave because you allowed them the opportunity to grow, to develop, to become more than they started when out as, that actually is great for your brand because everywhere they go, people will see them, their attributes and, and the good things. And you'll have good words also for where you came from, you know. And uh, so then yeah. that's that's really still great for your brand because it's saying Dr. Pierce's office is excellent to work in or all those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. And you know, a lot of a lot of the listeners may be so young that they're not thinking about legacies and things like that. But as you progress along, you know, I felt like to me a really cool legacy would be uh, of all things that somebody that when I when I was no longer in dentistry or somebody working with me was no longer there that they would say you know, like I'm a better version of me. Because mm -hmm. of working in the office of Dr. David mm -hmm. Pierce, not because of him, but the culture and everything we created there, I'll say, like forced progress made me a better version of myself, and I'm grateful for that because now I'm a better, you know, spouse, I'm a better mother, yeah. a better daughter, and a better, there are all those different things in the world, uh, which maybe I wouldn't have gotten there as quickly had I not been immersed in that culture. Yeah, and and all that allows us to become able to make more yeah. money, have better time balance, right. and have happier people working with us. Right. It's been such a pleasure. We're going to go ahead and share my screen for those that are intrigued and want to still connect with you and learn more. So if you're just listening, you know the drill. Get the paper pencil so you can get the information for Dr. Pierce's website. If you're watching, you can go grab that screenshot now. And the website is www.ultimatesuccess.dentist. Again, ultimatesuccess.dentist. LinkedIn, you can find him at david-r-pierce, that's P-E-A-R-C-E-D-D-S, david-r-pierce-dds. On YouTube at 
ultimate success in dentistry. Again, at ultimate success in dentistry, and that ad is the ampersand. You um, may want to figure out what else is there to find on that website. And I'm going to have Dr. Pierce explain to you what you can find on his website, as well as some of those other YouTube videos, all yours. Yeah, there's, there's a number of different things on the website, Vicki. Um, you know, just anybody that goes on there, they'll see some, some free uh, PDFs on leadership mm -hmm. and other things, as well as uh, there's an upcoming uh, ebook on uh, called Fantasy or 4 and 40. Um, and that's, a, I think, a great look at how do you take uh, a young professional, whatever young means, and go from that position financially to financial freedom in a very predictable way so that your 50s and 60s, uh, you know, those decades of life are full of all the blessings that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that financial success, lots of layers of success, but financial success can, uh, can offer. Awesome. Well, this has been wonderful. Lots of great information, not only if you're a dentist, although really good information if you're a dentist and have a practice out there, uh, because they don't teach you that in dentistry school as far as I've seen. That's true. My brother-in-law was a dentist and just recently uh, took over a bookstore kind of situation, and that's another story in itself, but we... Um, did get a lot of information here today about leadership, about having better teams, and how you can go from having a, a job that owns you to a job that you enjoy going to every single day. Yeah. Thank you so much again. And as always, I remind everyone that life is a journey, and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nessling, signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.